Welcome to this episode of the Connecting Faith to Life podcast. I'm Trey Rhodes, the Connections Pastor at Northwood Baptist Church here in North Charleston, South Carolina. In just a few moments, our lead pastor, Dr. Tommy Metter, will be joining the conversation as well. In our crazy and chaotic world, our hope is that these few minutes will help you stop and reflect on your relationship with Jesus as you learn to connect Christ-centered faith to your everyday life. Welcome to episode 74 of the Connecting Faith to Life podcast, and I just want to say I am so proud of you guys. I, I see it on Facebook, uh, reposting, and and uh, getting other people to listen, and I appreciate it. So those of you that haven't done that yet, uh, repost on Facebook, Twitter, text, um, Instagram. I think Instagram's a thing, so... Uh, it's nothing like the gram is what they say. So anyway, whatever it takes to get that uh, posted do you and get out there. Do you Instagram? I have an Instagram, but I don't really think to do it ever. Yeah. But uh, anyway. Yeah. That's for all the... That's for all the cool, all kids, the cool kids, and I'm not. You're too, you're too old for Instagram, <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. I was hoping you are going to say that today. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, anyway, we just want to make sure that they can hear about the relevant parts of our lives and uh, mix, uh, mix that and combine that and make that a part of the Word of God in their lives. Well, Pastor Christmas is almost upon us, and uh, there are two unique counts of the birth of Christ in the New Testament. Uh, unfortunately, we can confuse them, and we put them together, yeah. and we convolute them, but uh, there are major differences that uh, need to be taken note of and really give us unique unique uh, takes on the birth of Christ. Uh, so uh, what do we do with that, Pastor? Yeah, what are so we we're going to talk do? about that. We're going to talk about over the next couple weeks the differences, because there are significant differences between Matthew's gospel and Luke's gospel when they give us the account of the birth of Jesus. Both are very significant. Mm-hmm. Both are very important for us to understand what happened in Bethlehem some 2,000 years ago, but very different perspectives, and we're going to talk about that. But but before we talk about that, Trey, Merry Corona Christmas. Merry Corona Christmas. This is the first Corona Christmas we've had, Hopefully so we'll see how this corona goes. Christmas. So, so is Corona affecting your Christmas? Uh, well, yeah, it is, actually. I don't know what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> it's affecting your Christmas pretty big time, yeah, right? My, yeah, my, my son, uh, who's in Boston... Uh, obviously he's not going to be able to come down for yeah. some results of the quarantines and all the things that's happening in Boston. So if he wants to continue to be a pastor and uh, uh, stay there and all those things um, and preach the word of God live as he is doing, he has to stay. So Right, because if he comes down here he, and he goes back home, yeah. he has to quarantine for two weeks kind of thing. Is that their deal there? Well, that that's their deal with their – I mean, I don't know that the – that's what they want them to do. Yeah. And uh, their church is very much for that. So gotcha. if, if gotcha. that was to so happen. He feels the pressure to do that. Yeah. Come yeah. Down here. And you have a grandchild that you haven't yet to meet, yep. which is really, yeah, that, that's uh, not cool. That's tough. But yeah. anyway, you know, that's, uh, that's Corona this yeah, year. What yeah. can we do? Yeah. I hear you. And we have the same issue because Stacy's parents live in New Orleans and New Orleans is raging with COVID cases right now. In fact, I read this morning, uh, on the New Orleans website, uh, their news website that they're expecting stricter, restrictions mm. over the next week or so we were thought we thought we'd get down there for christmas but i think now it's looking pretty, unlikely pretty that dark. we'll make that yeah. trip because it's that's tough to you know her parents are in their mid 80s and so they're in that age group that's you know at they more pretty, risk pretty well sequestered themselves away from everyone well, they're i don't think their lives have changed a whole lot because of covid 
Oh, because they were doing that anyway. <laughs> yeah. Before COVID, they were just going to the grocery store yeah, right. and doctor's appointments, and that's about it. And I think that's been pretty much the same. But we don't want to, you know, take any risk of taking anything of there not. or all that of kind of stuff. So that's tough. I mean, you have a, a grandchild you haven't met, and Stacy and I, we have not seen her parents. My boys haven't seen their grandparents in New Orleans, and I mean, it'll be over a year. Mm-hmm. That's wild. Wow, that's hard to think of. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully, this will be the last Corona. Christmas. We can only hope and pray. Yeah, so I'm seriously about that. Yeah, yeah. So it's a pretty uh, downer time in our nation. Hopefully there's some hope, right? Vaccine coming and a new year. But you think about the first Christmas, I mean, it was a it was a pretty dark time as well. Mm-hmm. And people were looking for hope, but the hope they were looking for, most of them missed when Jesus was born. Missed it completely. Yeah, isn't that wild? Yeah. But we do have these two accounts. So you think about the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mark and John do not give us uh, an account, a story of the birth of Jesus. Mm -hmm. But Matthew and Luke, they give us a story of the birth of Jesus. And so uh, Mark, he starts right with um, the baptism of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus. John, there's a, a significant prologue that he gives us that has some pretty heavy theology, right? Mm-hmm. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. And so those two Gospels don't give us a birth account. But Matthew and Luke, they do. But they're from very different perspectives. And so you know a little bit about Matthew. He mm-hmm. was a disciple of Jesus, right. one of the 12 apostles. Right. Pretty interesting, right? That here you have this guy who uh, was a tax collector. Amazing to think yeah. of that. So he was yeah. a, a Jewish trader in the eyes of the Jewish people, mm-hmm. right? That he he was a Jew, uh, but he began to work for Rome and collect taxes. And so he was a trader in a lot of ways. And, and then, he was pocketing their money. Pocketing too, their so money, right? And so, and so, you know, he um, <clears throat> has this transformative experience with Jesus, changes his life, and then he writes a gospel. That's pretty neat. Yeah, that is transformation. That is transformation, right? It's a gospel that we sense. read, you know, faithfully today. And then you have Luke. Mm-hmm. Luke was not an apostle, but we know he was a travel companion with Paul. Mm-hmm. That that when you read the book of Acts, you see Luke traveling around on these missionary journeys with the apostle Paul. And 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 Bible scholars think that maybe, um, you know, Luke. Obviously, he tells us this in, in his uh, opening to his gospel, that he interviewed eyewitnesses, that he, he this is firsthand information that he's given us. Mm-hmm. And so, so many Bible scholars think that, you know, he might have interviewed people like Mary, the mother of Jesus. Wow. Yeah, so that'd that pretty would wild. be amazing. And so, so you have these, these unique gospels written by these unique men. Uh, and what's interesting about Matthew's gospel is Matthew is focusing, now we're reading it here today, you know, 2,000 years later, Mm -hmm. but when Matthew writes his gospel, his primary focus is on Jewish people, Mm -hmm. not people like you and me. Wow. I mean, it was written by, because of the Holy Spirit inspires the word of God. Obviously it's written for all of God's people, but, but Matthew had a very specific focus when he originally wrote this gospel. It was written for Jewish people to understand that their Jewish Messiah had come. These were their, uh, and this is one term I've heard, these were their gospel tracts of the day. Yeah, and I guess and in so, a sense, yeah. you know, the Matthew was written, so, hey, use this one so we can reach the Jews. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. That's kind yeah, of the idea. Yeah. So interesting. So it's a, a Jewish gospel in the sense that there's this Jewish perspective mm-hmm. written to, to convince Jewish people that Jesus was a Jewish Messiah. But even in that, I mean, even as you read the opening pages of the gospel, it's it's much larger than just a gospel to Jewish people because because. Matthew is telling us in this gospel that, yes, Jesus is the Jewish Messiah, but he's the Jewish Messiah for all people, mm-hmm. right? And then you have Luke's gospel, and Luke's focus is, is a bit different. Luke is just straight out, Jesus is the Savior of the world. He, it, it, is, it has more of a Gentile flavor to it, uh, and you can understand why, because, mm-hmm. you know, Luke's traveling around with Paul. 
exactly. into all these Gentile areas. And so his gospel has a little bit different focus. I mean, mm-hmm. And so you have these, these two birth stories, one in Matthew's gospel and one in Luke's gospel, that tell us the same story of the birth of Jesus, but from different perspectives. And so over the next couple of weeks, I thought it'd be a lot of fun if we would just kind of talk through yeah, these two great. gospels and think about these different perspectives of the birth of Jesus. And and we're going to try to do this in a timely fashion. We'll see how far we get into this today because there is a lot in the first couple of chapters of Matthew's gospel. Amen. Well, why don't we go ahead and get started then and let's talk about in Matthew, the four unique features of the Christmas story. All right, let's see what's unique to Matthew's gospel. First of all, Matthew starts with a significant, and I will say that again, significant genealogy. Yeah, it's significant. Hey, do you do you uh, trace your genealogy? Do you I, have a I do. Ancestry.com yeah, account? I, no, I actually have the book. This was all before genealogy. Oh. We have a book that thick. Oh. So There's a lot of genealogies in the Bible, right? <laughs> yeah, there are. And when you read the genealogies in the Bible, sometimes you kind of just gloss right over them because they just don't make much sense to us. But genealogies in the Bible were very important. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Luke has a genealogy as well. So, you know, this isn't unique to Matthew's gospel. When we talk about Luke's gospel, we'll see Luke's genealogy as well. But he doesn't open his gospel with a genealogy like Matthew does. And, and his genealogy is a little bit lengthier than, than Matthew's genealogy. And we'll see why when we look at Luke's gospel. But, man, if you were a Jewish person, man, your genealogy was significant because your genealogy— you know, it tied you to your clan, to your mm-hmm. tribe, and it tied you to your land. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you think about uh, ancient Israel, your wealth was based on your land, exactly. not necessarily, you know, what you had in a bank account, but the land you lived on. And so mm-hmm. genealogies were significant for that. And also think about this, trade that, that a genealogy was significant because a genealogy for a Jewish person, it was a way to trace the faithfulness of God, mm. how God has fulfilled his promises through through your, you know, family lineage. So uh-huh. genealogies were very significant for for Jewish people. And so Matthew, knowing that genealogies are significant for Jewish people, he starts his gospel with a genealogy. Mm. Doesn't sound like a great way to begin a story. I think when you tell people to read the New Testament, that's kind of a you know, yeah, yeah, start yeah. yeah, I mean, you start start Matthew chapter one. You got all these names I've never heard of. I mean, this makes no sense at all. So, <laughs> yeah. and no story starts with a genealogy. Uh-huh. But Matthew's gospel, you're right about that. Matthew's gospel starts with a genealogy, and it's very, very significant. So let's let's just highlight a few things. We can't sure. get into all the details of this just for the sake of time. But just in verse one, you know, Matthew is very clear to tell us that Jesus is the son of David and son of Abraham. Now, why would Matthew wants us to know that Jesus is the son of Abraham. That should be a pretty easy question. Because it makes him Jewish. He's a Jew. Yeah. Right. right. He's, he's of his father, Abraham, just like every other Jewish person was. Tracer mm-hmm. lineage back to Abraham, the father of the, the Hebrew nation, the Jewish nation, nation, right? So he's the son of Abraham, but then he's also he's the son, son of, David. of David. So why, Trey, does Matthew want us to know that Jesus is the son of David? That makes him king makes him king Mm -hmm. because you think about the promise that god made to david in second samuel chapter 7 god made a promise to david david remember he requested uh to god that he would build the temple Mm -hmm. in jerusalem and god said no that's not for you that's going to be for your son right because you're a man of war there can be a man of peace that builds my temple but i'm gonna make you a promise there's gonna be someone who sits on your throne from your lineage a descendant of yours who will reign forever wow that was the promise mm. back in Second Samuel chapter 7. Mm. And so now when Matthew opens his gospel, he wants us to know that Jesus is the son of Abraham, and he's the son of 
David. Mm. He is that king that God promised who would sit on David's throne forever. That's pretty significant. Very and so then now, now this, this whole genealogy then is built around this idea that Jesus is the son of David. Mm-hmm. And it's masterful. So if you're reading your English translation, it's probably like my English translation where you have three headings. I don't know if yours has that, Trey, but when I read the genealogies, there's, there's, well, you've got the very first heading, the genealogy of Jesus Christ, and then you have these three headings, from Abraham to David, from oh, yeah. David to the Babylonian exile, from the exile uh, to the Christ. Now, that wasn't in the original manuscript that Matthew wrote. Mm-hmm. Editors along the way in our English translations put that there to make it, to break it down for us, make it easier uh, for us to, mm-hmm. to read through the genealogy. But, but those three headings... Right, they they describe you know three different sections, if you will, of uh, the genealogy. So the genealogy is broken up into three periods. Makes sense. Yes. Three periods of fourteen generations. Wow. All right. So each period, fourteen generations. So so this genealogy that Matthew gives us, it it is it is not um, a comprehensive genealogy, if you will. It is a very selective genealogy. I guess he's kind of hitting the highlights sort of he's thing. He's kind of hitting the highlights. Yeah. Three periods, 14 generations. Mm-hmm. Now, Trey, think, you're, you're a good Bible student, right? You've been to I seminary. So. You've been a pastor for a number of years. Yeah. Why is 14 significant? I know I've heard you talk about this before, mm. but why don't you inform me? 14 ahead, is significant because 14 divided by 2 is go. what? Seven. Why is seven significant? Well, seven is also the number of, of God and perfection. Right. So when you read through holiness. scripture, when you read through scripture, you find numbers that repeat in scripture that seem to be pretty significant. And so when you think about the number seven, the number seven is the number of what, Trey? The number of God. The number I mean, of God. Completion. Yeah. Wholeness. Yeah. Oh, completion. So, yeah, holiness. yeah, yeah. So you yeah. think about, for example, where, where's the first time we see the number seven creep up in scripture? Seven days of creation. Ah, right. On the seventh day, God rested. We don't need eight days in a week. We don't need six days in a week. We need seven, seven. days in a week because seven is the whole number, the number of God, if you will. It's, it's this completion. And so you see this number, seven, creep up multiple times in Scripture. And whenever you see the number seven, it, it represents fullness, mm-hmm. the number of God, completion. Mm-hmm. Now, you know a couple other numbers. I mean, we think about three. Three is kind of that same idea. You think of three, uh, the Trinity, Father, mm-hmm. Son, Holy Spirit. Uh, you think about uh, Isaiah 6 when, when holy, uh, holy, 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 yeah. holy. So you've got numbers that come up in Scripture that seem to be pretty mm-hmm. significant. The number of th- a thousand. Yeah. That's a pretty significant number. Uh, and when you get, especially the book of Revelation, you'll see, um, you'll see the number yeah. th- uh, 1,000. So you've got these numbers that, that creep up in Scripture that um, are pretty significant. What about the number six, Trey? What, what's, that's a pretty significant number. That's uh, usually talked about as being incomplete. Uh, Talk right, about man, right. mankind, not enough. Right? Not so, enough. so you think about the number, um, oh, and, and maybe we'll get to this in a moment. That's, you even see uh, that creeping up in... Um, in, in this gospel, because you've got three um, periods, mm-hmm. the number 14, right. right? So you have really six sevens. Oh. That's interesting, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that is interesting. So, so, so almost like, you know, we've got this coming Messiah. Jesus is the seventh seven. Mm-hmm. Right. Wow, that's but impressive. he is the rest. Yeah, a lot of numbers, isn't it? <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, yeah. So Jesus is the the rest that is to come. Right. He is mm-hmm. the Sabbath rest. Does it make sense? Yes. So, so, so follow me. You have these three 
periods of 14 generations. Now, now think about this. Um, in, in, in the Hebrew culture, there was the significance attached to numbers. We call it gematria. Now, we've got to be careful with this because we can overdo it in Scripture. Of course. Right? But, but, but still, yeah. in Hebrew culture, this idea of gematria was, was uh, pretty was significant. Yeah. It was a big deal. And so what they would do is they would actually take the Hebrew alphabet, which I can't tell it to you because I'm terrible Hebrew, but they would assign. Aleph and Beth are the first two. You got that, right? <laughs> um, and so they would assign a, letter, a number uh-huh. to each letter right. of the Hebrew alphabet. So you probably know this, Trey, because you, you took Hebrew in seminary, didn't you? I tried. Yeah, so you tried. I tried too, and I, I didn't do very well with it. That's why I'm yeah. thankful for Bible scholars Amen who to that. fill me in and having Bible software that fills me in on all the stuff I missed in seminary. Uh, but but I do remember this, and you remember this too, Trey. When you look at the Hebrew alphabet, how many vowels are there? Oh my heavens, is twenty three? No, there weren't vowels in the Hebrew. Oh, language, vowels. Right? I'm remember, sorry. Yeah, you know that's fine. Remember the letters. You, yeah, you're thinking of letters, but there weren't. There weren't vowels in the Hebrew yeah. alphabet. And they do so, these little tick marks. Right. So that came along later. Those mm-hmm. tick marks came along later. That wasn't original to help us to put the vowel sounds yeah. in uh, the, the the Hebrew language. And that's, that gets into the issue of the Masoretic text. That's another conversation for another day. But at any rate, so you have these these consonants. So uh, you you think about the name David. Remember, mm-hmm. this this genealogy is focused on on David, right? right. That, that Matthew wants us to know that Jesus is the king who comes from the lineage of of David. All right. So, so David's name, it would not have had any vowels in the original, right? Mm. So you think about, um, his name, the, the letters, I, I wrote it down, Dalif Vav Dalif. Mm-hmm. Okay. So DVD in English, for example. Mm-hmm. So in the Hebrew language, Dalif is the fourth letter. Mm-hmm. You follow? In the Hebrew language, Vav is the sixth letter. Wow. In the Hebrew language again, Dalif is the fourth letter. So four plus six plus four is what? Four plus is 14. Same thing we're looking at here. The number's yeah. 14. Yeah. Pretty significant, right? Mm-hmm. So again, we can, we don't want to get too crazy with this, but I think Matthew is very intentionally using the number seven and 14. It's almost to, like a base 14 as he goes through all this. To, you know? to show yeah. us, look, Jesus comes from the lineage of David. He is the king. Pretty wild, right? So this, this genealogy that Matthew starts with, it is very significant because it lays the foundation of his gospel. Jesus is the Jewish Messiah. He is the one that you have longed for. And I think, you know, I think Matthew was like a little fed up with the people because you know, it was like they they couldn't figure it out at all. Yeah, 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 and so yeah, he yeah. has to say, guys, this is so yeah, obvious. Yeah, yeah. Dabi, you know? 14. Yeah. Look, 14 generations. Yeah, and, and think about this. So and we can't spend a lot of time on this because I want to get through a lot of other stuff. But what's significant about this genealogy as well is you have four women in the genealogy. Mm, yeah. And, and and if you were, uh, you know, a Jewish person and you were to trace your genealogy, you did not trace your genealogy through women. Mm-hmm. It was very, the man that was mad. Yeah, very rare to see a woman's name in a genealogy. But here you see four. And and so so go through. Who are the four women, women that we see in in this genealogy? Do you remember? Well, we do have Ruth. We have Ruth, which we're we talking about Bathsheba. Bathsheba. We have uh, Tamar. Tamar. That's Tamar. And, and who's uh, the other woman? Uh, Rahab. Rahab. Yeah. So what do all these women have in common? 
they all had problems. They were all scandalous. <laughs> yes. Now, now R- Ruth, now we're studying Ruth on Sunday mornings right now. She really wasn't a scandalous woman, but she came from a scandalous people. I was going to say, right? yeah. The Moabite women yeah. were known for seducing Israelite men. I mean, that was an issue you can read about in the Old Testament. But you have these four women that are scandalous. Mm-hmm. That fi- in fact, you come to Bathsheba. What's so interesting about Bathsheba, uh, what is she called? How does Matthew talk about her in his gospel? How does he mention her? Do you remember? Remember? I, 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 he doesn't say her I name. Do not know. He doesn't say her name. Oh, he says the the the, yeah, uh, the wife of Uriah. Wife of Uriah doesn't even name her. Do you know why? I'm. I do not know. Because she I'm, messed up I'm, everything. She messed. Well, it not up. everything. I mean, David actually is what messed it up by having an affair with her, right? Yeah. But, but still, you think about it. After his affair with Bathsheba, mm-hmm. that's when the kingdom just starts to collapse. Mm. Do you remember? You have David and all remember. these things that follow, all the issues with his sons and, and, and the issue with who would be king after him and Solomon's king, and the kingdom stays united. Mm-hmm. But after Solomon dies, I mean, it, it just falls apart. The kingdom is divided. And so, so really, Bathsheba, I mean, if, if you're a Jewish person, Bathsheba, she's the one that messed up the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And so when Matthew writes, he won't even name her, just the wife of Uriah. So you have these four scandalous women that are, uh, in the genealogy, Rahab is not a Jew, mm-hmm. right? At all. At all. Yeah. Ruth she's is not. She's a Canaanite. She's a Canaanite. Yeah. Ruth is not a Jew. So women, two of them are outsiders. And so you have this genealogy that Matthew's giving, and he wants us to know a couple things. One, that Jesus is from the lineage of David, no doubt about it. Look at the sevens, right? Mm-hmm. That Jesus, um, in his genealogy, has some really shady characters, Right, and it's not just the women. There's a couple there, of shady characters too, but there's the men. But but but, he, but the women are put in there specifically, of course, right? Yeah. And Jesus in his lineage, there are some outsiders. Mm. There's some Gentiles. The King of Kings and Lord of Lords is for shady people, and he's for outsiders. Amen. He's for everybody. That's because I am one. That, that's exactly right. We all are. We're all shady characters. We all need a redeemer, a savior. And Jesus is not just a Jewish Messiah. He is the Jewish Messiah, but he's more than that. He is the Messiah for the whole entire world. So there's the seeds of the gospel here for the Absolutely. all nations right here. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful. It's remarkable. I, mean, I love this genealogy because it's just jam-packed with, with implications for us as followers of Jesus. So now I hope people hear this and they'll have a little more understanding of when they read the genealogy, how important it was. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, we got to move, Trey. We're not going right. to get through all four of these. We all may right. not do it. We'll see what we can do. All right. The Matthew starts with this genealogy, but second, Matthew tells us about the birth of Jesus from Joseph's perspective. Right. So, and, and if you read Matthew and Luke, that's pretty obvious that um, you have Matthew's gospel focuses on Joseph, where Luke's gospel focuses on Mary. Mm-hmm. So the question is, why would Matthew choose to focus on Joseph's side of the story? I'm guessing because it, the importance of a man to the Jews, uh, the yeah. lineage of the Jews. and Yeah, just the lineage and, of David. So, yeah. you know, Joseph is the one who's the descendant of David. So it makes sense that he would focus on telling us the story from Joseph's perspective. Mm-hmm. And so, so just a couple of things, and again, we're going to be quick with this, but you think about, you know, Joseph being that descendant of David. You think about Joseph, and Matthew calls him a just man. Mm. We've been studying Ruth, and in Ruth's <laughs> story, you have Boaz, who stands out head and shoulders above the rest in a very dark time. So Matthew's gospel, I mean, Joseph in a lot of ways is like Boaz. Mm. He, he stands out in a culture where there's a lot of darkness. Mm-hmm. It's been a dark season in the nation of Israel. And, and so Joseph stands out as a just man. Uh, you, you have, um, you know, Joseph, a carpenter. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and 
Matthew doesn't tell us this, but Luke does. He's poor. Mm. So, so when, when Joseph and Mary, after the birth of Jesus, when they go to the temple to dedicate Jesus, they take an, a sacrifice because that's what you do. Right. What would you take as a sacrifice? I mean, you take usually a, a, a lamb. A lamb. Yeah. Unless you were Unless poor. Unless you were poor. If you're poor, you couldn't afford to take a lamb. So what would you take instead? You'd take a bird. A bird. Pigeon, yeah. turtle dove, yeah. something like that. And so, so Luke tells us specifically that when they went to the temple to dedicate Jesus, they took and sacrificed turtle doves. Mm-hmm. They're poor. So, so Jesus, this descendant of David, this king of kings, he is born into poverty. He's born into a poor family. Mm. Isn't that wild? So you have that going on, and then you also have this idea that um, um, in, in Matthew's gospel, the angel appears to Joseph and tells Joseph what to name the child. You're going to call his name Yeshua, Yeshua. Jesus, Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. Which, if you think about it, that's huge. Because Joseph is going to have this child with Mary that, that one, he did not conceive, and we don't have time to get into it, but you have this, this passage here in, in Matthew's gospel that quotes back to Isaiah chapter 7, 7 that, yeah. that, that tells us about the virgin birth. And, and, man, we could take a whole episode of the podcast and just talk about that, that statement. But, but he does not conceive the child. This child is conceived of the Holy Spirit, and Joseph doesn't even get to name the child. Which in Jewish culture, that, that's what the dad that, does. We know that because that's exactly what uh, John's dad right, did. Right, right. That's a know, big exactly deal. Right. And so it's as if God is saying to Joseph through this angel, you have no claim on mm. this child's life. You're, you're going to be his earthly father, but you have no claim on this child's life. This child is mine. He is my son. And, and bigger scheme of things is this, this child is going to have claim on your life. Mm. He's going to be your savior. Wow. Right. So again, it's very interesting. We could get into more details, but, but you have this, this unique feature in Matthew's gospel where it focuses on Joseph and Joseph is this poor man who at the end of the day really has no claim on the life of Jesus. He doesn't even get to name the child. Mm. Man. Yeah. All right, we can do this. All two right, more. N- number two is that uh, three. Number we, three. We're number looking three. at Joseph's perspective, yep. but number three is Matthew tells us about the journey of the Magi. Yeah, this is really interesting too. So, so you know, Luke tells us about who instead of the Magi, shepherds. Shepherds. Mm-hmm. So again, now you at your home, you have your nativity scene, and you have the Magi there with the shepherds, mm-hmm. and that's probably not how it went down. Exactly. That the Magi came and saw the Christ child sometime after his birth. And so when you, after you listen to this podcast, go home and fix your nativity scene, right? <laughs> Put the Magi in the kitchen away from the manger. So they're, you know, they've got a way, they've got a way to and go. And they gradually move and them. And they gradually move them. A couple of years from now, they should be at the nativity scene, right? But okay. then the shepherds need to be gone because yeah. they, they, anyway. Yeah. So, so, but you have these Magi and they come from the East. Now we don't know a whole lot about the Magi. We, we know that they were probably, you know, what we would call astrologers mm. studying the skies. And, and here's what's interesting is that, that in ancient culture, when uh, an astrologer or a magi saw a new cosmological appearance in the sky, they would immediately associate that cosmological appearance with royalty. Mm. There has been a, a royal figure born. Pretty neat, huh? So mm-hmm. you think about the Christmas star, they see this star and they immediately associate this star with royalty. Now, wow. we don't know exactly where the Magi are from, um, but, but, but maybe Arabia, somewhere in there, Persia or Babylon. Mm-hmm. Now, if they're I've from Babylon, that. this is interesting because if they're from Babylon, 
then um, what are they aware of? Well, because of Daniel, they're probably aware of, could be very well aware of the Messiah that would come. Yeah, if they're from Babylon, then they are aware, potentially, of the Old Testament mm-hmm. and the Old Testament prophecies. And, and maybe, now we don't know this, this is some speculation, but if they're from Babylon, uh, then maybe they are familiar with a passage of Scripture in the book of Numbers. Numbers 24, 17, this is uh, that that passage where you've got Balaam and all that going on. And, um, and, and, and so... Listen to this passage, Numbers 24, 17. I see him, but now I perceive him, but not near. A star will come from Jacob and a scepter will arise from Israel. He will smash the forehead of Moab and strike down all the Shethites. Wow. I wonder if they were familiar with that passage. It does make you wonder. Yeah, interesting. But, but anyway, what's, what is significant is that you, you have Matthew's gospel. And in Matthew's gospel, the first people to discern that Jesus is the coming king from God, the first people to discern it are not Jewish people. Exactly, and that blows my mind, but anyway. But Magi from yeah. the east, maybe even from Babylon. Mm. That's wild. And so, right, again, think about it. He's writing a Jewish gospel for mm-hmm. Jewish people, and at the outset of the gospel, he's saying, listen, the first ones to really understand who Jesus was was not Jewish people. Mm. It's the outside. The outs- Again, way outsiders. outside. Yeah. Way outsiders. Wow. Isn't that wild? For the whole world. He's the, Amen. Yeah, Messiah for the whole world. All right, all right now we got to get to this. I know we're, we're out of time, but we're going to take a few more minutes because I want you to, to hear this. Okay? All right, Give number four, last one. I won't review. Matthew tells us about Mary and Joseph fleeing to Egypt. Okay, so so just a couple of things. We'll do this quick. So King Herod, you know the story, King Herod with the Magi, they come and talk to mm-hmm. Herod about the Christ child and want to see him. And, and Herod says, well, go find out where he is and come back and tell me so I can go worship as well. And then listen to what he says in, in Matthew chapter 2, verse 16 through 18, after he realizes he's been outwitted by the Magi, listen to what it says. Then Herod, when he had, when he realized that he had been outwitted by the wise men, flew into a rage. He gave orders to massacre all the boys in, in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, in keeping with the time he had learned from the wise men. Then what was spoken through Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and she refused to be consoled because they are no more. Now that back passage from Jeremiah 31 is very significant, but we don't have time to get into that right now. But when you hear that passage, Trey, what sticks out to you about what Herod decrees? What what does it sound like to you when Herod decrees? It sounds a lot like what happened in Egypt ah, when when Pharaoh did the same thing. It sounds like Pharaoh. Now, Now watch this because you've got to get this. This is huge for the gospel of Matthew. Where do Mary and Joseph flee to? Egypt. <laughs> That's exactly right. right. So here's the question: Do they stay in Egypt uh, for a while? But for a then while, they come back, but yeah. then they come back out. Mm-hmm. So Jesus comes out of Egypt. Mm. Wow! Now, now watch this. This is good. This is good. The Hebrew people, years before this, were enslaved in Egypt. Mm-hmm. Pharaoh. You, you think about Moses, right? When the Pharaoh issued this decree for all the male children under the age of two to be killed and how Moses floated down the Nile River. Remember that story, Trey? Mm-hmm. This sounds like that in some ways. Very similar. Moses is the leader who brings them out of Egypt, mm-hmm. right? And now when Moses brings his people out of Egypt, when he brings the Hebrews out, Hebrews out of Egypt, what happens? What happens? Yeah, what happens to the Hebrew people? They become a nation. They come in, they, and they go into the wilderness. Oh, okay. And what happens in the wilderness? 
They wander around for 40 years. 40 years. Why do they wander around for 40 years? Disobedience. Because they can never get it right. Yeah. They come out of Egypt and they never get it right. Now watch. Jesus comes out of Egypt and what does he do? He gets it all right. He always gets it right. Mm. So, So this is where Matthew is going with his gospel. Where the Hebrew people failed, Jesus does not fail. He is, now listen, Matthew wants us to know that Jesus is from the lineage of David. Mm -hmm. He wants us to know that Jesus is the king. But as you walk further into Matthew's gospel, Matthew also wants us to know that Jesus is the greatest deliverer. He is far better than Moses because he comes out of Egypt and he does what Moses could not do. He leads his people to real victory. He leads uh, them to, to righteousness, right? Through his death and resurrection, something that Moses could not do. Mm. Mo- Jesus is a greater deliverer than Moses. And and again, I, I know we've gone a little bit long with this, but think about this, Trey. You, you um, see in Matthew chapter four, after Jesus is baptized, where does he go? Jesus goes to uh, the wilderness. wilderness. Yeah. And he's tempted for how many days? 40. That's a connection, isn't it? Yeah. Another, another significant another number. number. 40 years in the wilderness, 40 days in the wilderness for Jesus. And, and in the wilderness for the Hebrew people, they, they fall into sin over and over again. Mm-hmm. But in the wilderness, when Jesus is tempted by Satan, he never falls. He's victorious. Right? And then, and then you come to Matthew chapter 5. Now, this is really amazing. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus gives us what? What do we call it? Do you remember? No, I don't. The sermon. Yes, you do. The sermon on the. Oh, I thought you said Matthew 2. I'm no, sorry. No, I'm sorry. Matthew 5. The sermon okay. on the what? Sermon, <laughs> the mount, on the what? sermon on the mount. Sermon on the mount. And in the sermon on the mount, what does Jesus do? Uh, he, he tells them how to live. He tells them. He says, I have fulfilled the law. And then he takes the law. And what does he do? He, uh, he re-gives the law. I was going to say he gives it, but he gives it in a total Right, he a gives it. Now, this more is, complete you, you way. You heard it said. Now yeah. I tell you. You heard it said. Now yeah. I tell you. Yeah. Sermon on the mount. Do you remember a mountain in Exodus? Amen. Right? Sinai, Mount where Sinai. God gave the law through Moses. And mm. so you have all these allusions in Matthew's gospel where Matthew is saying, hey, Jesus is the Jewish king. He is the Messiah that you've been waiting for. He's the Messiah you've been waiting for, who is not only a descendant of David. He is. Mm. That's significant. But he's also the great deliverer. Amen. Because remember, remember, and again, I know I'm going long. Remember, at the end of the book of Deuteronomy, Moses said, there is a prophet coming greater than me. Now, Matthew is screaming. Here he is. Screaming, exactly. Prophet, like priest, that. and king, Jesus Christ. He is here. He's here. Mm-hmm. That's it. Amen. We did that pretty All right, fairly Pastor, quickly. Well, that did was good. Best. Well, I hope that uh, everyone got a real good uh, understanding of what Matthew's mm-hmm. about. And so uh, we just uh, want that to keep on going yeah, as they continue yeah. in the Christmas season. Well, Pastor, why don't you close us out? Yeah, we, we know that you, you guys read the Christmas story every year, but we want you to see just how rich it is. Mm, There's so amen. much here for us to see and that I think strengthens our faith and mm-hmm. helps us to know, man, this is real, a true story that Matthew and Luke painstakingly wrote for us to be convinced that Jesus is Messiah. So if this has been a blessing to you and helped you today, do share it with a friend. I think this would be an encouragement to them today, especially during this Christmas season. And we hope that um, you'll go ahead right now and subscribe to this podcast so you can have new content delivered to your device every single week that you leave us a five-star review. And we, we hope, as always, that today's episode has helped you connect faith to life.